0: I've done pulled around and spilled the whole water up here. It's all right. I got it. Yeah. As long as I don't do it again. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. starting in verse number one. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man named Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, and I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities." For though I would desire to glory I shall not be a fool for I will say the truth but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above uh, that which he seeth to be me to be or that he heareth of me and lest I should be exalted above measure and through the abundance of revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh Therefore, I take pleasure in affirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne this morning with a desire and a hunger to be fed from your word this morning. We understand that as we serve you, oftentimes we are faced with things that we don't understand, things that we, if we're honest, we don't even desire to even go through. This is not a new feeling amongst people who follow after you, but may we glean from your text this great truth, that it is better to be weak leaning upon you than to be bold and strengthened and on our own. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. Be with those next door. Lord, if there be anyone under the sound of our voice, Lord, I pray that today that lost, that they today see their need of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a society that has really fallen in love with the word yes. They, they can't even really process the word no at all. Even when we read scripture, we like this thought process too, that when we read where people of God have sought God's face and he answered their prayer with yes. When you read Samuel, Hannah prayed and weeping and asking God to give her a child and he answered with yes. When we read about Jabez who prayed that the Lord would expand his borders and he prayed and sought God's face and the Lord answered with yes. Zechariah prayed that the Lord would answer their prayers and give them a child and we read with excitement when John the Baptist arrives on the scene. Hezekiah prayed that the Lord would extend his life and he prayed and he sought the Lord's face and the Lord would give him an additional 15 years. I'm sure that There are times since we've been serving the Lord that we've found ourselves in a place of prayer where we sought the Lord and the Lord answered our prayers. And when the Lord answered our prayers, he did it in such a way that it was an undeniable reality that he's the one that answered our prayers. No one else could have brought resolve to the problems that we were facing. That is the kind of God we serve. A God who hears his children and a God who answers his children's prayers. This week I was questioned with this thought, why does God not answer our prayers? My response to them was that your question is wrong. That's not really what you mean to question. Why doesn't God answer our prayers? God does answer our prayers. Your question is, is, why is God not answering the prayers the way you want it? This is the struggle of our Christian life. We serve a God who answers prayers, but we want God to answer our prayers our way. Paul here in chapter number 12 of 2 Corinthians is communicating to the Corinthians about a time in his life where he fervently sought Salt God's face and God told him no. He beseeched the Lord to lift this great burden in his life and God said no. But notice how it starts before he gets into this really chapter 12 in the first five verses. Paul starts off telling about his personal experience. This personal experience that he had that it was such an unfolding in his spiritual life. It was far more than he could ever imagine. When he tried to describe it in verse number four about being caught up into paradise, being caught up into the third heaven, he said, The things that I heard were unspeakable things for man to utter. The things in which he would experience, Paul struggled to even put it into words. But the Lord showed me, he, the Lord, he's emphasizing, but the Lord showed me something that only he could show me. And this is a testament in all of our lives. And I want to keep recycling this in our mind because on the heels of God doing this great showing in Paul's life, on the heels of God unveiling this unspeakable things to Paul, was this great burden that had come upon him. I mean, I'm sure that there have been times where we've prayed and God has opened up the floodgates to our eyes and to our hearts. And in those moments, it felt like that if we was any closer to the Lord, in that blessed moment, that we would have been just like Enoch. We would have walked with God and be not. I mean, moments where we really feel connected to the Lord. These are grand times in our spiritual lives. These are high experiences. These are moments that we feel this sweet walk with the Lord. But notice this personal experience with the Lord came with a personal enlightenment. We feel so close to God when we continue to return to him, believing that he will answer prayers. Paul said these grand experiences Came with a personal enlightenment, but he also, as he was serving the Lord, having this grand experience, while he was personally being enlightened by the Lord, he found himself at a place of personal exhaustion. If you diligently serve the Lord, you will relate to this. There will be times in your spiritual life as you feel like you're on mountain top, mountaintop to mountaintop, that God is just answering your prayers, that God is just opening his word to you, unveiling truth after truth from you, and you feel so richly blessed, but as you're laboring for the Lord, the flesh becomes weak, the spirit becomes weak inside of you, and you start to arrive at this place where you feel exhausted, and you need a renewing from the Lord. He said, I reached a place of personal exhaustion. He says here, unless, in verse number 7, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul said it was going good. It was going great in his personal walk with the Lord, but He found himself in a place of positional weakness. He said he found himself in a place where he had fallen under attack. This word here, when he says that, this word thorn, when he said, I found this thorn in my flesh, this is not like the thorn from the rose bush that irritates us. In the Greek, the word thorn comes from the word scallop. It is to say that it is the brunt end of a wooden stick. It is the pale. He, even more, it is most commonly used to reference the edge of a spear. Paul says, as I was serving the Lord, it seemed like everything was going good in my life. I was walking with the Lord, sweet moments with the Lord. I had experiences with the Lord. Had I uttered them to other people, they would have thought I had gone mad. But they were, without a doubt, great moments with the Lord. But as I was walking with the Lord, I have now found myself in a place where I have this spear inside of me, this thorn in the flesh. Paul's emphasis here is to say that this matter that had him burdened. This matter that had him weighed down in his spiritual walk was no right matter to him. He said, I found myself with this thorn in the flesh. Now, many commentators love to run and have all kind of supposition about what exactly Paul is referencing. Some will run to Galatians where he says, see that I wrote to you in so big a letter. Some say that Paul had a eye problem. Some people say that Paul had uh, feeble hands, but whatever it may have been, the problem that was ailing Paul, Paul viewed it as a thorn in the flesh sent by the messenger of Satan, sent to buffet him. My personal opinion is the reason that the Lord doesn't make it clear to us is so that all these years later in 2023, you can just go ahead and search your own problem. We are all going to have different problems as we serve the Lord, that as we experience this burden, this problem, this trouble, this trial, day in and day out, it will be like an agonizing wound to us. How long, oh Lord, until you help me out of this problem? How long, oh Lord, until you uh, remove this ailment from me? I mean, we all struggle certain of this. This thorn in the flesh that comes along it troubles us daily. It bothers us on the inside. It's a constant battle. And this constant battle leads us to a place of weakness as we war the prince and the power of the air. Paul said this matter was given to him, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger from the messenger of Satan. But notice how Paul views. This personal experience. It was the messenger of Satan to buffet him. Now this word buffet, it is the same to say to strike with a clenched fist. It is to say to punish. The word buffet in the Greek, it means to exact upon someone else excessive force. So if you thought the thorn word was lightly, Paul said that they're using the edge of the spirit to put excessive force upon my spiritual walk with the Lord. I'm sure we've all been there. Paul said that Satan was using this thorn against him. The matters that hit us is that Satan tried to use them against Paul as if God was not hearing his prayers, as if God was not going to answer our Prayers. Even more, we find ourselves there in our own personal walks as times as we view our own thorns in the flesh. Meaning, we may look at other people in their life and say, Why are they having great victories? In their spiritual walk with the Lord, and it seems like I'm not having any victories at all. Why is God using them? And it doesn't seem like He's using me. Why did God save their kids? Do you know how long I've been praying for God to save my kids? I mean, can you believe they're pregnant again? Do you know how long? We've been praying just to have a single child. I mean, Lord, you know how long I've been praying for you to lift this burden of cancer from me. And yet it seems that they only had cancer for a short little while. How long until you lift this thorn in the flesh from me? God, How long until you heal my family like you healed theirs time after time. We see sweet victories that is meant for good, but Satan clenches his fist and delivers his blows to other believers. This is the reality that Satan uses even good to buffet those who serve the Lord. It's a strange thing that exciting times in service to the Lord can be hard blows to the heart. God saves people. Yeah, but how long till you save my husband? I've been praying all these years. How long until you save my kid? We see their baby and we're excited for them, but with a clenched fist, Satan delivers a blow and say, God, how long until you give me my baby? How long until you heal me? How long until you save my family? Paul felt the excessive force of Satan. The word here, the messenger, and not even to get into all of this, but it is from the Greek word egalos. Oftentimes, the majority of time that it's used in the New Testament is to specify a specific messenger, whether human or angelic, brought him a continuous blow. Many believe that it could have just been that when Paul was saying here, the messenger of Satan to buffet him, that Paul was really, focused in on the person in the church who was spreading all of this false doctrine, all of these troubles within the church. He said, uh, but Paul asked for, this is interesting. We often say this, that we should ask grace uh, through the fire, not from the fire, but in this trouble in Paul's life. Paul asked for grace from it. He don't even want to experience this. He said, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Lord, take this away from me. Take this pain away. Lord, take these feelings away. Lord, take this problems away. Lord, remove me from this situation altogether. Lord, Satan is using this against me to challenge me about who you are to me. But in that moment where he felt that the answer would be that God would just remove this problem from him. In this moment, all the things that the Lord had done up to this moment, he, he sought the Lord because of these mountaintop experiences that he would answer this prayer and remove him from this problem. But Paul makes it clear. It's not always mountaintop experiences serving the Lord. Sometimes we are just weak. That's what he says here. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice this. It was in the moment of personal weakness that Paul got a personal email from the Lord. It was in this moment of personal exhaustion that he got an enlightening word from the Lord. I sought the Lord three times to remove it to me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in Weakness. It was weakness in Paul that brought the word from the Lord. Lord, I'm weak, son. My grace is sufficient for you. Did you see that? Let me tell you about God's grace. When you feel that you're down and out, when you feel that you're enduring the suffering of the soul, When you feel like you can't handle one more ounce of disappointment in your life. When you feel like you have the deepest pain that your soul can even take. That's the kind of pain that keeps you in the throne room of grace. The Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. He said, Paul, all you need, I have. Even more do we testify of that this morning, that our personal belief is no matter what trials we face in this life, that we don't really need God to deliver us from the ailment, from the trouble, from the burden. We need God's grace in the trial, in the trouble. His grace is sufficient to get us through. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, Therefore hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above, that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Even more in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the writer says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God's grace is always available to His child. I read a story of Charles Spurgeon that he was coming home one day after a day of heavy work. Heavy work. He had noted in his journal that he felt weak, he felt depressed, and he felt this great burden. Upon him, his soul, he said, was weary. This verse came to mind that God's grace is sufficient for us. His mind began to unravel about just how needy he felt as a child of God. And as he was going down the road, he could see the fish swimming there in the Thames River. And he said, Lord. If I was one of those fish right there, I'm so needy that I would drink up the water daily in all of the Thames River. And Charles, the, the, uh, Charles Spurgeon said he felt the Lord tell him, Charles, if you were a little fish in the Thames River, I would keep telling you, Charles, drink on because I have sufficient supply for you. Even more as Charles Spurgeon was walking down the road, he seen a little mouse. He said, Lord, I'm so needy that if I was that little mouse, I would eat up all of the granaries of Egypt. He felt the Lord say to him, Charles, if you were that little mouse in the granaries of Egypt, I would have sent Joseph to fill them up for you. Cheer up, my little mouse. My grace is sufficient for you. He looked there at the mountainside and imagined a man climbing up the mountain. He said, Lord, if I was to climb up there to the top of that mountain, in that atmosphere, I would exhaust all of the oxygen because I'm just that needy for you. And there in that moment, he felt the Lord tell Charles. He said, Charles, breathe away, breathe away and take a deep breath. My atmosphere is sufficient for you. Spurgeon went home, weeping that day, realizing everywhere he turned in whatever situation he could apply himself. He believed that God's grace is sufficient to carry him through. Even more, no matter what we face in this life, God's grace is sufficient to carry us through. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect and weakness. Notice the personal empowerment. I love this. He said, for my strength, I can't make it, Lord. I know you can't. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You're going through a situation, Paul, and you're, you're right to seek me. That you feel like you're so underneath the blow. You're underneath this dagger. You're under the spear, your your right to seek me because you believe that you cannot make it through this burden. And Paul, you're right, but we're not relying on your strength to get me through. We're relying on my strength to get you through. My strength is made perfect in weakness. First, notice this: as we face trials and troubles that are bigger than us, there is a developmental process that happens. The bigger the problem we face, the more we go down and the more Christ goes up. When we get smaller, he gets bigger. When we come to the understanding that we can't do it, we're reminded again that he can. When we say, Lord, help me, I've never faced this problem before, he reminds us that, I have. Lord, I don't have the answer to this situation. The Lord then reminds us that I do. And when you can't calm the storm, the Lord reminds us, I can. But if we're honest, we can testify that we know about God's grace. We we know about God's strength, really, in our lives because we have faced storms before. We have learned exactly who God is in our life because we've, not only face troubles ourselves, but we've seen other people face troubles themselves. Some this morning are recovering cancer survivors. I guarantee if you ask Sister Green or if you ask Brother Tim, they learn things about the Lord that maybe we have never experienced in that dark situation. But the things that they learned about the Lord in that dark hour, they would have never learned unless first they were made weak and then became strong in him. In our weakness, he strengthens us. Some of us know the heartache of what it means to have a child go away and live in sin. And we agonize and pray, and others, though, we can stand here and say that we have a joy in our hearts because we've seen the Lord answer the prayers and bring them home. We would have never had that joy if first, We was not made weak in this situation, meaning exhausted, depleted. We cannot handle this ourselves. Week after week, many people in this church on Wednesday nights raise their hands in prayer requests, whether it's praying for their husbands or praying for their children. And whether we realize it or not, Though we come every week requesting and making petitions for God to answer our prayers, whether you recognize it or not, when we ask God to do something, it is a confession that we can't do it. And even in that confession, he strengthens us to continue on even though he said no this week. Not this week but I'm going to strengthen you to keep serving me. We're still moving forward in our Christian life, even though we've been begging God to answer things in our life that we haven't got the answer we wanted. And the reason we're still moving on in faithful service to the Lord, it isn't because of Dr. Phil, it isn't because of Dr. Oz, it's because God is still sitting upon the throne and pouring out his abundant grace and mercy upon us. I hope we see that this morning. Paul said, in weakness, in the feeling that you have, uh, in this feeling where he felt like the stake was ran through him, in this feeling of being broken down, he said, I'm going to show you that I have strength to get you through. Now, I love this portion of this text. Because many of us have been saved More than a year, some five, some 10, some 20, some 30. And we have come to the understanding that you can trust God. Paul said, I sought the Lord to help me through this situation. And I sought the Lord to remove me from this situation, to remove it from me. But he said there was a developmental process. I began to remind myself that I must trust the Lord. So I made a preferred choice. This is where we all need to get to this morning. When we're facing battles in our life, when we're facing troubles in our life, when we're facing things that we have begged God to answer, and he has not, in the manner that we so choose. Look what he says here. And the Lord said unto me, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I... Rather, glory in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He makes a confession of a preferred choice. He says, "Hold, if God is the Lord has reminded me that his grace is sufficient for me, that means I'm not going to stand around here and complain about this problem. I'm not going to stand around and complain about this thorn in the flesh. I'm not going to stand around and complain about this ailment. Lord, if you're telling me that your grace is sufficient for me and that your strength is made perfect in weakness, then most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my affirmities even more that the power of Christ may Rest upon me, he said. I'm not gonna bad talk the Lord about this anymore. Lord, you know my situation. I'm not gonna say anything slanderous about this. When day one goes by of this problem, I'm just gonna trust him. When day two comes, I'm gonna trust him. When week one comes, when year one comes, when year two comes, I'm just. Going to trust him. I know that God was doing something. I know that God is doing something. And there will be no denying it is him when he answers this request. Let me ask this morning. Is there something that you've been dealing with in your personal life? Your own thorn in the flesh. Your own spear into your life. That day by day, Satan buffets you about and reminds you of prohibiting you from moving forward in service to the Lord. Is there something in your life that you keep saying, Lord, if you would just do this and heal me, then I would move forward for you. Lord, I can't be used because I'm I'm facing this problem. Lord, you know, I want to do this, but Satan is wearing me out. What have you been doing with the thing that has been afflicting your spiritual walk? Paul said that I sought the Lord, that he might remove this from me. But because the Lord said, no, therefore I will glory in my infirmities. I will glory in this affliction that what? that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I pray that's where we live. I pray that's where we go. I pray we leave here, leave here this morning saying, Lord, wh- whatever comes before me, whatever afflicts my spiritual walk, Lord, I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to even ask you to deliver me from it. But Lord, if you don't deliver me from it, most gladly still will I glory in my affirmities. Most gladly will your name still be exalted. Most gladly are you still worthy of my praise, even when things don't go my way, even when I don't get the yes that you've given other people, even when I don't get the answered request that you've answered other people, even when I feel like Satan is trying to tell me that God is not answering my prayers and he's answering everyone else's. Lord, I'm still going to glory your name because you are worthy. He is worthy of our praise, even In a world that tells you, yes, yes, yes. There are some times that God will say no to us. But it's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he has endeavored to give us a grand opportunity to be a unique light. And to begin on a different journey on a deeper level of understanding what it means to be strengthened by the Lord. In our weakness, we are strengthened by him. In our weakness, we learn exactly who our God is. Paul said, no matter what you're facing, trust the Lord. No matter what happens, the reminder to us is that Whether you're the man on the mountaintop, I've got enough air for you to breathe. Whether you're the little mouse in the granaries, I have enough grain to feed you. Whether you're the little fish in the Thames River, even if you have tried to drink up all the water in the Thames River, I have a permanent supply. His grace is sufficient to take us through. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly father, Lord, we give thanks to you, Lord, that uh, we are constantly reminded, Lord, that you have exactly what we need to get us through any trial or trouble we face in this life, though it's hard for us at times to really come to uh, grips with the fact that that we don't always get exactly what we want. We, we want you to answer our prayers now, and we, we're confident that you have the power to answer our prayers. But, Lord, teach us in our time of waiting. Draw us nigh to you. May we encourage one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.